have you all join us this morning. And uh, I tell you, we uh, really just continue as a church to miss, uh, miss all of you. And I mean, one of the core aspects of uh, being a Christian and, and church is the gathering of people uh, to connect and eat together and laugh together and pray together. And uh, we're really looking forward to the time when we can uh, get back together again. Uh, but in the meantime, we're trying to make do just by phone calls and uh, online and those kinds of things. So you can always connect with each other uh, on our uh, Junction um, Facebook site. If you're a regular attender here at the Junction Church, you can connect on our Junction members page, which is a more private page for those who attend the church. Uh, for prayer requests and things that you found encouraging. And maybe you want to throw a little video clip of yourself chatting about something, who knows, but just to connect with each other. Uh, we also have uh, some midweek gatherings on Wednesday. Kathy is doing a women's study on Zoom. And I believe they're going to start in on studying the, the Psalms this week. Uh, Thursday morning at 9.30, we have a uh, prayer time on Zoom that I lead from 9.30 to 10.30. And so you're welcome to join that. And, uh, and also, uh, of course, uh, Cara Michael on Monday, they do the, um, their little small group on the Zoom as well. And so you can connect with those. You can find other information on our website or on uh, the church email. And if you're not signed up for our uh, newsletter every week, you can just email the office or go on our website down at the bottom somewhere. There is a spot where you can sign up for for our, for our email. And I see Robin's got a little sign that says offering because uh, I forgot the offering a, a couple weeks ago. Twice, two weeks in a row I forgot the offering. But uh, you're always welcome to, to join in with us and what we're doing here by giving. Uh, part of being a follower of Jesus is, is being someone who is generous and, and we give, give of our time, energy, and finances. And so you can just text, if you've got a phone, you can text the word Junction Church to the number 77977, or you can go to our app or on our website, um, other means of uh, connecting. And I just thank you for those of you who've been continuing to support our work here, and um, I just really appreciate that. This morning, we are going to turn our attention to this question of, is God to blame for COVID-19? Uh, is God... Did he create COVID-19 to punish, you know, us sinners here on this earth? Um, is that what God is up to with COVID-19? Uh, because the reality is there are people who are asking this, and I've chatted with some who are suggesting this. And so, um, and all you need to do, actually, is just, if you're online, maybe you've seen this, and here's just some, some of the stuff that I've, I've seen online. Uh, for instance, uh, Vendor pump rules star Jack Taylor says coronavirus is punishment from God uh, because he is tired of the way we treat people. Or a conservative pastor says coronavirus spread in synagogues is punishment from God. Or coronavirus in the Bible, bizarre claim virus is punishment for Christian, Christian persecution. And of course, Trump's always in the news, and so of course, there's always stuff associated with Trump. Uh, how about this one? Pro-Trump televangelist wonders if COVID-19 is God's punishment for impeaching Trump. Or uh, <laughs> Trump's cabinet Bible teacher says, gays cause God's wrath in COVID-19 blog post. Uh, or we got famous people ch uh, chiming in. Courtney uh, Kardashian says, Pandem pandemic is punishment from God 
for world's evils. Or even if you're an 80s person, you know, child like I was, uh, Hulk Hogan says COVID-19 is God's punishment. And so that's the question today. I mean, is God up there, you know, just kind of fed up with mankind and uh, whatever group you don't like? Because part of this is psychology, that we have a tendency that when our lives get disrupted or something's uncomfortable, we have a tendency to want to find someone to blame. And so that's why you have these articles like it's the gays or the, the environmentalists or the, you know, it's the, the Jews or whatever category of people you don't like, it's their fault. That's why COVID-19 is here. I mean, is God that kind of God? Uh, is God, did he create coronavirus to, to punish us all? And so that's the question we're going to be looking at today. And, um, and just to note, uh, obviously there will be folks who disagree with this message because obviously some Christians have written news articles that it is God's punishment. And of course Christian theology is, is very diverse. And, uh, and so there are some Christians saying this is God's punishment. And I'm going to lay in here and say, whoa, 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 not so fast. Uh, maybe there's some things we should think through here before we start saying it is God's punishment. And what I want to do with our time is look at four sort of assumptions that might be behind people thinking this is God's punishment. And so the first one is this. Uh, the first underlying assumption that may be behind this idea that COVID-19 is God's punishment is this, that everything that happens is exactly according to God's will and plan. This underlying assumption that everything that happens is according to God's will and plan. Uh, that there are some people who would say that no matter what happens on this planet, it's exactly God's will and it's exactly his plan. And so uh, if you're in a car wreck, well, that's God's will and it's his plan. If, if you get cancer, well, that's God's will and it's his plan. If COVID-19 comes, well, that's God's will and it's his plan. Therefore, if it's God's will and plan, then what's the reason? Well, it must be because he is punishing the world or it must be because of whatever group you don't like. It's their fault. You know, God sent COVID-19. Uh, and again, there are people who would agree with this, that they would say that everything that happens is God's will and plan, um, that God is somehow behind everything that happens. Sometimes it's way in the background that he just predestines it, or sometimes it's more in the forefront that it's actually a plan. But I mean, you really end up with, with a God that is really not nice because you have to begin to say that every rape is God's will and plan that every rape has been uh, predestined and planned by God, that every time a child is kidnapped and molested and abused and killed, that, that is God's will and plan, that Nazi Germany and the extermination of the Jews, well, that was all God's plan. It's like, then you end up with, with is God really good? Might I suggest to you that not everything that happens is God's will and not everything that happens is God's plan. And, and I think it's funny sometimes that we even need to talk about this, uh, but the reality is, I mean, we can look at the scriptures. Romans 6, for instance, says, do not give in to sinful desires. God tells us not to give in to sinful desires. Because why? Because sometimes we do. Now, if everything was according to God's will and plan, there would be no reason for God to ever give us any commandments. He would never have to say, love people, because if we only did God's will and plan, then we would only do what he wanted. <laughs> There'd be no need for commands. The reason that there are commands in the Bible, like, love people is because sometimes we don't carry out God's will. I mean, God doesn't will us or want us to sin. 
I mean, when we're unloving towards somebody, God's not up there saying, I, that's exactly what I want to happen. No, he wants us to be loving people. And pretty much on every single page of the Bible, we can see scenarios or things happening that are not God's will. Uh, sometimes things happen, happen that are not God's plan. Luke chapter 7 says, the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them. That God had a plan for the religious leaders, but they rejected it. And there are a lot of things on this planet that God has hoped for, or planned for, or wills for that, that don't happen. Uh, Matthew 23, here's a, another instance of God willing something that, that didn't happen. How often I have longed, Jesus says, or how often I have willed, I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. God was wanting, willing, this was his plan, his desire, but we were not willing, that we rejected God's plan and God's will, or in Jeremiah. And this is a beautiful little passage. God says, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to you, to your calling me father. And I wanted to never turn, uh, you to never turn from me, but you have been unfaithful to me. And again, God wanting us to be his kids and for us to see him as his loving father, but, but we can reject that because we can reject God's plan and we can reject his, his will. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, for instance, uh, Jesus said this, that we're to pray this. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we're to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if God's will were always done, then why in the world would, would we ever be asked even to pray for this? It would make no sense. If God's will were always done, his plan was always done, then why would Jesus say that we're to pray for God's will to be done? And indeed we are. We are to be praying for God's will to be done because it is not always done. Um, now, sometimes um, people ask the question of this, well, you know, I thought God was all-powerful. <laughs> I thought God was in control. What do you mean his will and his plan is not always done? Well, what sometimes we fail to realize is, is yes, God is all-powerful, but there is something that God puts above his all-powerfulness. There is something that he puts above his authority, if you will, and that is his love. Yes, God is all-powerful, but God is, is love. And for love to truly exist in this world, there needs to be free will. We need to freely be able to choose to follow him or to, to reject him. Um, I, mean, I mean, imagine if a guy wanted, uh, you know, wanted a wife. He was lonely and wanted a, a relationship with somebody, and he, so he's lonely, and so he heads out into the street and grabs the first woman he sees and grabs her and you know, says, you're coming home, you're going to be my wife, and you're going to love me, and ties her up and drags her home and, and keeps her at home, and the woman's like, I don't love you, and I don't like you, and I don't want to be with you, and, but, but he, he forces her to be, it, be his wife. I mean, that would be completely abusive. That's not loving the least bit. I mean, that's illegal because we know for true love and relationship to exist, that woman needs to be able to freely say, yeah, I'll come with you or not. I love you or I don't love you. I mean, well, I mean we're in the, the world where there's got to be consent, right? And because we know that love has to do, do with consent. And so uh, God doesn't control this world in the sense where everything is his will and plan because above his all-powerfulness, he puts this idea of love. 
And so we have free choice to follow his will or not, to follow his plan or not follow his plan. This is because God, ultimately, the, the, the plan of the universe is for us to be in relationship with him. And that requires him putting love above his all-powerfulness so that we might have free will. Now, another underlying assumption behind those who say God uh, is behind COVID-19 and it, it is his punishment. And, and maybe an underlying assumption is this, that all problems with nature are acts of God. All problems with nature are acts of God. In other words, uh, some people can grasp the idea that, okay, I can see humans not doing God's will or rejecting God's plan because, you know, we're broken. I can see that. But, but the earth is God's creation. And some people suppose that, that because the earth is God's creation, that any problems with the earth have to be, I guess that must be God's will. That must be God's plan. You know, we, we say things like that when, you know, an earthquake hits or, you know, the insurance companies or whatever, I don't know if they still say this, but, you know, they are, they're acts of God, that God is behind any problem in the planet because the earth is controlled by God. Uh, but we see otherwise in the scripture. Uh, for instance, in Luke chapter 8, so when Jesus and, and the disciples are in, uh, on this boat, it says, a squall or a storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. I mean, this was a big storm because these were people who grew up on the Sea of Galilee and now they think they're going to die. This is, this is a bad storm. He got up, Jesus did, and he rebukes the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided. So if God is behind every storm, if every storm is an act of God, then, then did God create this and then Jesus rebuked it? Like, I mean, is God rebuking God? I don't think so because, I mean, the Bible says, you know, a house divided against itself is going to fall. I mean, we can't have God acting against God. Uh, and many theologians suppose by this word that he got up and rebuked the storm that this storm may have been actually brought about by the enemy to take out Jesus and his disciples. Um, and we just see this, that the, the earth is broken. The earth doesn't always follow God's will and plan. In Romans 8, it says, we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. Like just as we groan, there are things that we do and happen in our body that are not God's will and plan. So too creation is the same. It groans because it is broken. And uh, right from the early church, there were Christians who taught that, that Adam and Eve, as they were placed in charge of the earth, uh, when they fell, that there were ripple effects. That as they fell, the earth fell. And as Adam and Eve can reject the will of God, so too there is corruptness in, in earth that doesn't always follow the will of God. The other idea here with the nature being broken is that this earth is actually a battleground. Because not only did we humans fall, but we also read in the scriptures that spiritual beings fell. A number of spiritual beings fell. And there's a battleground taking place on this earth. Ephesians 6 says... For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so there's this battle being taken place on this earth. And I mean, if you go back to, say, World War II, and you look at Europe during World War II, it was a battlefield. It was not, buildings were blown up and crushed, and there was, there was turmoil. And this earth, in a sense, is a battlefield. 
Not only are we fallen, but there's fallen spiritual beings affecting the earth, and the earth itself is groaning. And so to think automatically, well, you know, coronavirus, it's got to be a virus, so it's got to be an act of God because it comes from nature. Well, maybe it's not part of God's will and plan, but just part of this broken world. Uh, maybe it's something um, that comes from the enemy, and this is the next underlying assumption, and that is this. The underlying assumption that the only factor in any given equation is God. This kind of goes back to the first point. That a lot of people think the only equation in any given factor is God. So whatever happens here, if it doesn't turn out the way I want, well, it's God's fault. You know, I lose my job. God, this, why did you do that? You know, you know, my car engine blows up. Well, God, why did you do this? I mean, it's your fault that my car engine blew up. Or and if you get cancer, you know, God, you're to blame. Or COVID-19 comes. Well, if you think the only factor is God at play in this world, then you're going to blame it on God. And you're like, you might assume that God has created it to punish us. But God is not the only factor. We've already seen that we humans can be a factor because we can reject God's plan. Then nature can be a factor because it's not always in line with God's will and plan. I mean, Jesus had to rebuke nature at, at one point. Uh, we see this story in Matthew 13 that helps us with this. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, uh, didn't you sow good seeds in your field? Where did, uh, then did the weeds come from? And the farmer, who represents God in this picture, he says, an enemy did this. So why don't we just immediately, we, we just assume, uh, you know, some folks at least do, that because COVID-19 exists, that it must be God's fault, and then for God is punishing people, why do we assume that God is the only factor? Maybe, as this parable suggests, an enemy did this. Whether you think that's supernatural or human or whatever, I mean, lots of ideas out there right now, but why do you just start with thinking that God is the only factor when there's human factors and natural factors and the, the factors of fallen evil spiritual beings. I mean, maybe an enemy did this. Uh, don't just assume that this is somehow God's punishment. In fact, to help us discern things like, is COVID-19 God's punishment? Jesus actually gives us two nice little easy categories to help us with discernment. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So there's two categories here. Things that have to do with killing, stealing, destroying, Jesus says, is in the category of the enemy did this, where it has to do with life and life to the full. This is, this is the work of God. And so we sit back and say, well, which one does COVID-19 seem to fall into? To me, it puzzles me why people say, well, it's got to be, it's God punishing people. Well, it seems to be more in the category of killing, stealing, and destroying than it does to be in the category of God. And so again, as the parable says, perhaps an enemy did this. Uh, James 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So every good gift is from God, if it has to do with killing, stealing, destroying, that's from the enemy. Again, which category does COVID-19 to uh, to fit more into? 
every good gift coming down from above or in the, the category of killing, stealing, and destroying. And, and somehow some people might say, well, you know, God did this because he's ultimately, you know, wants this good and he planned it as punishment, but it's also good. And well, you might be able to say, well, it's a good gift coming down, but you know, what about the, you know, the 10-year-old who lost their mom because of COVID-19? Is that, is that a good gift coming down from heaven? Again, God is not the only factor. Uh, the enemy is, is a factor. We know this in, in Acts chapter 10, for instance. It's, uh, Paul says, or whoever's speaking here, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That it's clearly saying here that there are a lot of things that have been planted by the enemy. And Jesus steps in and he begins to reverse the work of the enemy, things that the enemy has planted, things that are not God's will and not part of God's plan, that he steps in and he begins to, to remove that sickness from them. And so some things are from God, yes, it's true, but there are some things from the enemy. There are some things that are from the natural broken world. There are some things from our own broken, broken selves. And uh, another assumption, the last one here, is this that God is an angry God. That the reason COVID-19 exists is because God is just punishing the people, people folks say, and the underlying assumption is God is just an angry God. And he's just, he just can't wait to release his wrath, you know, especially on whatever group you don't like, you know, that's what he does, you know. He's an angry God. But the reality is, you know, when it comes to God's character and you look at the scriptures, the Bible actually says God is slow to anger. Uh, God is, is actually love. So again, we can look at some scripture to help discern this. Some scripture about things from heaven and God's character, like James chapter 3. The wisdom from heaven, or things from heaven, or God, uh, the wisdom from heaven is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. I mean, this is the wisdom that comes down from heaven. And so, I mean, if you think COVID-19 has come down from heaven, then it certainly doesn't fit into that. It seems, again, to fit more into the enemy. Or Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, or the fruit of the work of God in our lives or in this world is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, does COVID-19 fit into that? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so again, why do we just, people assume that this is God's punishment? It, it just doesn't line up with, with, with God's character. Or we can look at it this, at this angle. Psalm 146.9. God cares for the or orphans and the widows. Or Isaiah chapter 1, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. The, over and over, over, the Bible is saying, you know, reach out, help the poor, the weak, uh, the, the, the people who, you know, are vulnerable. And yet, you look at COVID-19, COVID-19 is not primarily affecting the rich and the beautiful and the healthy, it's affecting the weak and the vulnerable. <laughs> Those who are elderly or who have underlying health complications. So again, uh, for God to pour something out for heaven that's, you know, it's going to be mostly targeted at the weak and the vulnerable and those who, you know, are, are, have health complications, it just makes no sense compared to 
the character of God where he cares especially for the weak and the vulnerable. Uh, another question that sometimes can be thrown out against what I'm saying here might be this. Well, well didn't God throw plagues and disasters at time in the Old Testament? Uh, because this is what some folks are saying. They're, they're looking like in the book of Exodus where, you know, the, the ten plagues of Egypt and there's pestilence and, and they're saying this is one of the plagues of God. You know, as he sent it down on the Egyptians, he's sending it down on, on this planet to whatever punish whatever group you don't like again. Uh, what about that? Well, I mean, this is a ginormous discussion. And so I'm able to spend a few minutes on it. Uh, a lot of things we could touch on. We, we discussed... Uh, in our sermon series across the spectrum, different views on, on violence and those kinds of things in the Old Testament. You can always go back there. Uh, but we need to realize when it comes to the Old Testament, I mean, it's primarily a book written to a specific nation for a specific period of time, to the nation of Israel. And it was written to them uh, kind of like when they were in toddler, toddler land. And we know with toddlers that they need lots of rules and kind of immediate consequences. And that's very much the way God worked with the Israelites at that time. They had lots of rules. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see lots of rules. And they sort of had these immediate consequences. It was kind of like them. God was raising a toddler until they could reach adulthood when, when now we live under Jesus. And this is exactly what Galatians actually says. It says the law was our guardian or our parent until Christ came. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. Or Galatians 4, the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. And like, like a little kid and needs lots of rules and immediate consequences, that, that is okay when they're small, but once you get to be a teenager or an adult, well, then there's a lot more freedom. And that's what we're living under the, under the, the New Testament. In fact, another point here is that when you look at the Old Testament... Uh, the plagues of Egypt are not your starting place. <laughs> when you're trying to develop a theology about COVID-19 or about anything, the Old Testament is not your starting place. Jesus is to be your starting place. We see in the scriptures that the revelation of Jesus, for lack of a better word, is, is higher than that of, of the Old Testament. I mean, we see in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Moses, of course, the guy who's behind the law and in Exodus and those books of, uh, books of the law. And Hebrews 1 talks about Jesus being higher than the prophets. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And so we can read through Moses, but Jesus has greater honor. We can read through the prophets, but in these last days, God is speaking to us through his son. This does not mean the Old Testament is not important. It's very, very important. But we are to be reading the Old Testament through Jesus, not the other way around. When it comes to COVID-19, we don't start with the Old Testament. We start with, with Jesus because his revelation is higher than that of the Old Testament. In fact, to make that clear, there's a little episode in Matthew 17. And this is when... Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration with, uh, with, with uh, the disciples, and it said this, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. So Moses re representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. There they are, and Jesus is there too. 
And Peter said to Jesus, Oh, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. In other words, Peter's thinking these are all kind of equal-footed, plain prophets. You know, Moses is great, Elijah's great, Jesus is great. They're all kind of equal. They're all kind of the same. Uh, and, then, and then it says this, While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. <laughs> In other words, our starting place is, is Jesus. It's not Moses, not Eliza. Its starting place is, is, is Jesus. In fact, again, this idea of Jesus' revelation being higher than the revelation of the Old Testament, I mean, Jesus himself uh, presented this. In Matthew 5, it says, You have heard that it was said, and he quotes Exodus 20, a verse from the Old Testament, You shall not commit adultery. Then Jesus says, But I tell you. And he introduces a higher law, a higher revelation. Or in verse 31, it has been said, Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. And that's from Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. But then Jesus says, but I tell you. Again, very clear that his revelation is higher than that of the Old Testament. And so we don't start with the Old Testament. We, we want to start with Jesus. And the whole point of the Old Testament is actually to point to Christ. And so again, we read the Old Testament through Jesus, not the other way around. I mean, you remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? You search the scriptures because in them you want to find eternal life, but you don't realize the scriptures, they, they speak about me. So Jesus is always our starting place. And so when we're trying to discern things like COVID-19, again, we start with Jesus. In fact, Jesus goes on and he says this in the same realm. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor which is actually a quote from the Old Testament, and hate your enemy, which was more of a current interpretation of parts of the Old Testament. Uh, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And in other words, like daddy, like son, like, like God loves his enemies and prays for those who persecute him. And then he says this, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That Jesus here presents this God that is, is very good both to those who are righteous and unrighteous. Luke's version says this, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, because He, who? God! He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And this is where we should start. The idea that Jesus is presenting God as very merciful and kind and good to His enemies, not a God who's up there just can't, not just he's going to wait to punish you. And lastly, let's, let's just look at this quickly. We, we've talked about this lots at the Junction Church, but I think it's just so, so important in, in times like this and in questions like this that Jesus is actually the clearest revelation we have of who God is. And so again, when we're asking questions like, is this punishment from God? Again, we don't start with some random Old Testament verse. We start with Jesus. Uh, when we're trying to figure out God's character, we don't, again, start with some random Old Testament verse. We start with Jesus, because Jesus is the clearest revelation of who God is and what God is like. I mean, this is exactly what John says in John chapter 1. 
he says, no one has ever seen God. At least up until they've seen Jesus. That's his point. All through the Old Testament, no one has ever seen God. Yet you read about Moses being in the presence of God and all these amazing encounters people had with God. I mean, John has the audacity to say, no one has ever seen God. Until, he says, but the one and only Son, who is himself God. So Jesus is not like some sort of sidekick to God. You know, it's not like God is saying, well, Jesus, that's not the way I am. I mean, Jesus is God. He represents God exactly because Jesus is God. The Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. No one has ever seen God, but Jesus has made him known. And to see Jesus, as he said himself, is to see the Father. We know what God's character is like by looking at Jesus. And so if you have any doubts about God's character, because of some news article you read, if you have questions in your mind about God's character, just go to Jesus. He is the clearest revelation we have of who God is. In fact, in John chapter 5, it says this, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Or John 12, whatever I say, Jesus says, is just what the Father has told me to say. In other words, what every, every act that Jesus did was exactly representing the Father. Everything that Jesus said was exactly representing the Father. No one has seen God until you see Jesus. And so you just look at the life of Jesus. Speaking to the woman at the well, the enemy of the Jew, the, the Samaritan, loving her, revealing himself to her. You know, Jesus didn't go up to the woman at the well and like sick her with COVID-19, but loved her. I mean, the woman caught in adultery. You know, Jesus comes up and there's these religious people wanting to condemn her and, and wishing they could sick COVID-19 on the woman caught in adultery, but Jesus steps in and, and begins to probably reveal that, hey, everyone here is a sinner. You know, whoever has no sin cast the first stone and then looks at her and says, you know, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that, that order is important. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's exactly what the Father wanted. And Jesus didn't look at that woman and say, I'm going to pour COVID-19 on you. And then you look at all the healings that Jesus did. Not once did Jesus ever say no to someone who wanted healing. Every single person that came to Jesus, every single person that the Father led Jesus to, Jesus healed. Not once did Jesus say, well, actually, you know, God's will is for you to, to stay sick or to, you know, for your cancer. Or not once did Jesus look at someone, actually, you know, my will for you, my plan for you is for you to, be, to die of COVID-19. Here you go. You never see Jesus doing that. And yet Jesus perfectly reveals the character of God and everything he did and everything he said. And you can keep going on to Jesus when he's arrested. I mean, you know, remember Peter cut off the ear of one of the guys who came to arrest Jesus. It's an enemy of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't go, yeah, Peter, you get that enemy. Jesus heals his enemy. And then he goes to the cross, and ultimately he's hanging on the cross. And again, the very definition of God is actually wrapped up in Jesus dying on the cross. So again, if you want to know the character of God, look at Jesus dying on the cross for who? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the Bible says God is love, and love is actually defined in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is, that Christ laid down his life for us. So the very definition of God is found on the cross. 
And what do you hear from Jesus on the cross as he looks out on his enemies? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus did not say, let's sick them with COVID-19. I mean, you see love pulling out of the heart of Jesus because this is who Jesus is. This is who God is. So might I suggest to you that COVID-19 is not a punishment from God. That it is a part of this broken world, it's part of this world we live in where we have free will and angels and demons have free will and there's brokenness and corruptness around and this is why we partner with God through prayer because prayer makes a difference. Jesus told us to pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven and one of the ways that we make a difference in this world along with God is through prayer. So be praying against COVID-19. Be praying for folks around you. Be praying, be praying, be praying. Prayer really does make a difference as we partner with God. Now, God did not send COVID-19, but one thing we can trust in, and we'll just finish with this, is this promise in Romans 8. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That even when tragedies strike, even when things happen that are not God's will, God begins to creep his hands in there and influence situations, and he begins to massage it for good. And even in the midst of COVID-19, man, it is incredible some of the stories I'm hearing about the good things God is doing. Many of you have been in touch with me just saying that you've just found renewed interest in connecting with God, uh, that your heart has been growing, that you've been spending more time with him. Uh, I've heard a lot of churches that are actually growing on online presence and people are joining in who would never join in before. I mean, God is at work. God is loving. I, there are so many good things. The communities are coming together and, and people are loving each other and serving each other and people are making masks and throwing out hearts and it's awesome to see God at work through this because God is working all things out for good. So Father, we thank you that you are a good God. And God, when we don't understand things, we thank you that we can go to the one thing we do understand, and that is your son, Jesus. When we're confused about a question, we can go to you, because you have perfectly revealed the character of God. God, we know who you are because of your son, Jesus. And so we thank you that you are loving, and we thank you that you are so, so, so amazingly good. That your will and your plan is for life to the full. That your desire and plan is to flow good down from heaven. And so God, right now together, we resist the work of the enemy who has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Through our prayers, we push back on those things that the enemy has planted. And God, we release your goodness here in this church and in our homes and in this world. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for hanging in on that. I talked fast, went through a lot of scripture, but uh, we're gonna finish with the song. God bless you. Uh, next week, we're gonna talk about COVID-19 in the end times because there's another question going around. And so please join us next week. If you need prayer, uh, feel free to contact a member of the prayer team. Uh, and if you don't know who they are, just you can contact the church and we can get you connected. So there is still prayer available uh, all throughout the week. God bless you.